Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that? in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser podcast to start listening. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Four weeks from today, we will be in Las Vegas, and uh, we'll be broadcasting there from the uh, for the uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty Eight. And in a couple of days, we'll have details on where we will be, and you might be able to join us. We're going to have a studio audience there in Las Vegas. We'll tell you all the details that'll be coming up uh, probably later on this week. We'll let you know how you can join us in Las Vegas. Brady Quinn Fox. College football analyst, big noon kickoff, host of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe, former Notre Dame quarterback, joining us on the program. Good morning, Brady. Let's start with uh, the obvious. How does each team win tonight here in the national title game? Uh, It's a tough question to answer because I think a lot of people have doubted this Washington Huskies team and their ability to continue to not only beat top-ranked teams. I mean, just go back to the Pac-12 championship game, look at the line of that game. But I think Michael Penick's play, and just since he has arrived in Seattle for the Huskies, the way he has played, the ridiculous accuracy down the field, throw after throw, and I know they've got a lot of talented wide receivers, but he's putting the ball in spots where only those guys can get in the defense camp. And I think people keep waiting for it to run out or for it to stop or maybe for them to have a game that looks similar to the Arizona State game, where they, mm. they got held out of the end zone. It was all field goals. But I, I don't know that it's going to happen. I, I kind of get those, like, Joe Burrow vibes from the LSU season um, where they just were unstoppable offensively, and the defense was good enough. And maybe that's all Washington has to be. But the one thing you can't measure, Dan, and this is where I kind of got fooled, too, in, in, in looking at that Bama-Michigan matchup is just the physicality that Michigan plays with and the tone they set early on in games. Of the big plays, you can have the change of momentum, you can have anything you want, but it still comes down to the trenches, and Michigan tries to establish that right out the gate in every game they play, and they've been really successful doing so. And so that's kind of one of those deals you can't measure. And just the fact that like Michigan's now a change-up in college football. You heard Nick Saban talk about the challenge of going against a team at huddles where you might know their personnel grouping, but you don't know their formation. And you really have to make a call and then stick with that call because you don't have the ability to change as compared to when you go against a no-huddle group that's at the line of scrimmage and you can make a change of call when they make a change of call or they do something. Sometimes there's time to do that. 
You don't have that versus Michigan offensively. And just the last thing is the personnel groupings. Not many people run out there with two tight end, three tight end, two running back, two tight end sets, and just want to pound away with the football and then build in some pass plays and things off of that. And I think it's tough to prepare for because most college rosters aren't built that way, and Michigan's unique in that sense. So I think this is one in where something's got to give, and, and I don't think it's going to be Michigan. It just feels like this is that year mm. where Michigan finds a way of winning a tight, close game but it should be a ton of fun to watch. Harbaugh's future, do you think it hinges on the outcome of this game tonight? I think if he wins, you would have to think that he's more apt to go and take an opportunity, and he's probably got no short list of suitors. I mean, who wouldn't want a guy that continually builds teams at the college and NFL level to be contenders and to be teams that can win a championship? That's what he's done. And he's just got that unique quality about him and really that CEO quality where I feel like he's able to make it work in both college and the NFL. I mean, he's proven that already, but even the way he's built up this Michigan program and being able to build it up this season without him even being there. I mean, obviously he was a part of the preparation throughout the course of the week, but on six different occasions, he wasn't there. He wasn't the head coach on the sidelines helping his staff make those situational play calls and and doing all of that. And I think that speaks volumes to how he's able to build a program like Michigan to withstand that sort of adversity, even without him. Let's look at these two quarterbacks, pro pro potential here, uh, with J.J. McCarthy and Michael Penix Jr. Let me start with uh, Penix Jr. What do you think? To me, he's got the best tape of anyone this year in college football. I mean, I understand people, and myself included, are enamored with Caleb Williams. The, the different things he can do to, to throw off platform and the way he can run around and buy time and create. But there is no one who reminds me more of C.J. Stroud in regards to the downfield pinpoint accuracy with the deep ball. And you're seeing how that's playing out for Houston now as they win the AFC South and move on to the playoffs. That is Michael Penix. I mean, he's proven that now two years in a row and one standout year at Indiana of all places with the ability to do that. Now he's had a bunch of injuries, but like that's for a medical doctor to decide. I look at the, all the injuries and say, look at what this young man has overcome and been able to still play this high of a level. And I think the last thing I'll say is he's a, he's a better athlete. People give him credit. I think because of the injuries, he's had to adapt a bit to play more from the pocket. And he does that well, but his movement to throw within the pocket, his movement with pressure in his face, and able to get some of these throws off and on point on the money is ridiculous. So I would say this. If you're only basing this season and your draft evaluation off of this year's film, it'd be Michael Penix as the first quarterback. He's been that special. It's been that ridiculous of a season for him. Yeah. I know he's got a lot of other talent around him, the wide receiver. I know he's got the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, and Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer are great play callers. It doesn't take away from how he's executing the things he's done this year. All right, um, J.J. I, McCarthy? I think he's the guy that, like, he leaves you always wanting more, and that, it's not an indictment on him. It's an indictment on kind of just the way they play, you know, their system. And I think there could be an argument made, too, that because they don't allow him to throw the football 40-plus, 50-plus times a game, it actually is more pressure on him. Like, he's got to deliver when they go into that run-run pass on third down mode when you're in third and seven plus, or, hey, we've basically been hammering away running the football. 
JJ, we now need you to lead us on a two-minute drive, uh, and you've only thrown, I don't know, 10 pass attempts, 12 pass attempts. Like, it's hard to get into a rhythm as a quarterback and be efficient and just be as accurate and everything that he has been this year and really throughout the, you know, the time is, is, is time in Ann Arbor, and yet he delivers every time. Like, he has been that quarterback who steps up in those moments and delivers with his arm or with his legs. So I, I think he's a first-round talent. Mm. I think a lot of people probably feel that way around him. I, I think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks who are, who are put in that conversation with Penix, with McCarthy, with obviously Caleb Williams and Drake May you hear a lot of. Some people might feel that way about Bo Nix as well. Jaden Daniels is obviously going to fall into that conversation. I mean, there are a number of quarterbacks that are going to be looked at, and maybe some of these teams have potential first-round grades on, uh, or, or maybe you know second-round grades, but ended up getting desperate and seeing them there and wanting to take them in the first round. Yeah, I was wondering about that, because if I'm taking you in the top five or top ten, I, you're a different quarterback than I'm taking you at the end of the first round. Right? That's fair. And, and I think you've got, like, Jaden Daniels with the season that he had this year, who probably next to Penix has the next best film of anyone you're watching, just with his dual threat ability, how much he's improved from his time at Arizona State to LSU as a passer and from the pocket. Uh, another guy, again, great guys to throw to Malik Neighbors will be a first-round pick and wide receiver, in my opinion. But it doesn't take away from what he's built and what he's done. And so you know, he's a guy that I think teams might consider as we continue to watch these, these NFL teams adapt to more uh, college-style offenses, allowing quarterbacks to be part of that rushing attack or looking for a quarterback with mobility, he's going to start being in that conversation. And then you, you look at other intangibles, like Bo Nix set an NCAA record for completion percentage this year. I mean, extremely accurate, has continued to improve his ability to play the position from the pocket, but yet you still see those playmaking ability uh, assets that he's got when he needs to pull it out. It was kind of like he leaned on it too much at Auburn, he goes to Oregon, and he's put together – uh, quite the career, and I think quite the resume to show NFL teams that he's more than just a really good athlete playing quarterback. He's also really accurate. He's a good decision maker, and he can make some plays when you need him to make some plays. So this is a loaded quarterback draft class, in my opinion. You know, I, I, some people look at like Caleb Williams, Drake May, and say those are like those top top five talented guys. I would say Penix tape and Jaden Daniels tape thrust both those two up into that conversation as well this year. He's Brady Quinn, former college and NFL quarterback working for Fox, their college football analyst. Um, NFL regular season, most disappointing team was who? Probably the Saints. Um, I, I just think that was a team that preseason had, I think, the heaviest odds or favorite to win the NFC South. It was a loaded roster. It was one in which I really thought, you know, Derek Carr, who did play much better football down the stretch, was going to be a big-time difference for them. I thought they'd be hosting a playoff game uh, this this upcoming weekend, and it wasn't the case. And, and at times, it just felt like they couldn't find a rhythm on offense. Defensively, they they couldn't showcase what I think their personnel is on paper and playing up to that standard. Uh, they were probably the the most I think I guess disappointing in my mind, only because of the expectations that were out there. And you had the worst team in their division in the Carolina Panthers, and you had. A couple other teams, and the Bucks, obviously, who I think were a pleasant surprise, but they were the the most surprising. And I think their odds to win the division before the season were like plus eight hundred. No one really saw that coming. Um, and then Atlanta, obviously, who just fired Arthur Smith. Um, you know, they, they surprised some people. I had high expectations. I always thought they they needed a you know a quarterback. So the reality is that the Saints were probably that team for me this year, even though the record isn't that bad.
Yeah, I said Jacksonville because I thought they could get to the AFC title game with that talent. But do you have any hesitation about signing up Trevor Lawrence long-term if you're Jacksonville? I don't, um, and I think there's a lot of things that they need to check under the hood and reevaluate there, whether it's the inconsistencies in play calling, and whether that's on Doug Peterson or Press Taylor, you know, only those two really know behind closed doors. It seemed like Trevor Lawrence was constantly playing through some sort of injury this year. The Calvin Ridley trade and, and you know, all the hype we heard before the season didn't really work out the way I think a lot of us had thought it was going to work out, where he would be this dynamic player that – maybe wins, you know, comeback player of the year. And I always say that because at this point, I have no idea what the criteria is for the AP or the, the comeback player of the year in the NFL because it seems like it's just it's a wide net. Like if you have a really good season and you didn't play or got hurt or something else happened last year, there's a decent chance you could be a comeback player of the year. Uh, but, but I digress. In their defense, I think they've, they've got, again, some solid pieces, but collectively as a unit, Outside of when they were able to generate turnovers, they struggled to get off the field. They struggled to you know, stop the opponents from having big plays. It just it felt like this team you know, overachieved last year, and we had high expectations this year. And you looked at their schedule and said they should probably be one of the top teams in the AFC, but it never really came together the way it needed to. Explain C.J. Stroud. Um, I, I think he... He inhabits all of the things that you're looking for in the NFL game from a quarterback perspective. You know, the first thing is he's, he's accurate. Like, that is something that people talk about accuracy and they'll, they'll talk about mechanics. Uh, I'm personally the biggest believer in the improvement in accuracy comes from your eyes and understanding where you need to go to the football and, and, and addressing those throws and consistently throwing off of a, a consistent base that allows you to be more consistently accurate. He, he does that. Like he knows where to go with the football. He's extremely accurate when he gets there. And I, I don't care how you want to stop the tape, but every time when you, if you want to stop before he releases the football, he's got a great base, a great platform. He finds a way of getting to that and delivering an absolute strike. And then he's got the ability, like we saw in his final game in college, but also throughout the course of the season, when things aren't there, the ability to scramble by time, keep his eyes downfield. But, but I think the accuracy is the first thing, and really he's got the ability to do that at all three levels. And he's a passer, not a thrower, which he can shape throws. You know, I, I always think, like, when you watch his pregame warm-up, have you guys seen it when he's shooting the basketball and he's swinging the bat? He's doing all these different drills. He's got such a good feel for how the ball is going to come off his finger and how it's going to feel coming off his hand to be able to shape it into different types of windows like you have to do to achieve the level he's doing right now. And so he's got a unique, I think, an uncanny ability to be able to just kind of feel and play the game uh, utilizing his skill set. And then last thing, I think he's just clutch. Like, I think he loves when the game's on the line, put it on him, he'll make a throw, he'll make a play to be able to give his team a chance to go win the football game. So honestly, the biggest crime for the Texans this season is the fact they don't have Tank Dell. Because I'd love to yeah. see what this team could do now that they're in the playoffs and, and Nico Collins playing out of his mind. And if Tank Dell is a part of this and Noah Brown back healthy, I'd love to see what this team would be capable of doing. Yeah, sometimes we overthink the position. You know, when we look at quarterbacks, we're like, oh, we got to break down everything. And, and, you know, sometimes you just look at the tape. And I watched that game against Georgia, and I kept coming back to that, like, what is the knock on him? Oh, you know, he's not processing at the line of scrimmage. Then it feels like 
there's there's people out there who are trying to slander somebody so they go lower or you get a chance to get that. I mean, there's a lot of games that are played there leading up to the draft, as you know. But I, I just I kept going back to the Georgia game. I'm going, the guy did everything you would want to court. It's almost like Deshaun Watson. When he was, when he was playing in college, I kept going, wait, what is the knock on him? Like on the field, that dude answered. He won a title, and then we kept going, eh, well, you know, I, I think Mitchell Trubisky's got a greater upside. And you're like, okay, all right, keep overthinking it. Well, you know what? I don't know what it is. I think in today's world with all the data and analytics that we have, we now have all this information, and, and we want to find a use for the information. <laughs> and the hardest thing is when you, when, when you say, like, put on the tape, it's like we can all put on the tape and watch the guy and go, man, he's really good, right? Or, hey, he's really fast. Well, yeah, but how fast is he? All right, well, let's go. Let's go have him run a 40-yard uh, sprint, and then we'll compare him to everyone else because, you know, you do that in a game of football, right? You get down in, in T-shirt and shorts and a three-point stance, and you're going to go from a stop and run straight 40 yards. It's like, well, that's, that's not really the best way of comparing, but that's just like what we do to be able to get an idea of how fast that guy is. So, I, I think, honestly, the evaluation process now more than ever has relied on finding these data points, finding these ways of measuring guys, and whether it's their processing, their cognitive, their athleticism, and we're looking for a way of justifying our decision, right? Because it, it's tough and, and looking at, hey, it's probably a variety of things. There's a ton of variables that affect anyone's performance and what they're capable of as a player, both good and bad. But if we can figure out a way of then justifying the decision based on these metrics, that, that helps us feel better about it, right? <laughs> like, if you just go, yeah, I don't know, I kind of felt I had a gut instinct, right? Like, tonight's game, if, you, if I asked you, to, who are you, who, who are you putting your money on tonight? And you said, I don't know, I think Michigan's pretty tough to be. I'm laying the four and a half or whatever the number's at now. Well, what makes you say that? That's ah, my gut. Like, if I, if, I, if I, when you called me and we're talking right now and I said that to you, you'd be like, well, I don't, I don't want to follow that. I don't feel very good about that. I need a reason. I need some data points or some analytics to help me be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, I'll bet along with you. That's where we're at now. And I think that's why we overcomplicate things is we can't put a metric, data point, et cetera, outside of stats, you know, from watching the tape and understanding and appreciating, like, what guys are capable of. And so we try to find other ways of doing that, and that's how we make it complicated and more difficult than it needs to be. Always great Always. to tra- uh, talk to you, Brady. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. That's Brady Quinn, Fox Sports. It's like Puka Nakua. Like, everybody had a chance. What, fifth, sixth-round pick? What did you see? What did you not see? What did the Rams see that nobody else saw? He had the greatest rookie season that a wide receiver's ever had. <laughs> That's where you go. And it's not like, you know, Tom Brady waited years or Terrell Davis, you know, waited Pukunakua did it right right away. And coming in for Cooper Cup. Yes. Uh, yes. He... But did the Rams see something or did they just get lucky? Maybe. I, you know what? I mean, it's not like they were like to randomly took him in the first round and it was like, whoa, what the hell is this pick? I mean, he. Fe- well, sometimes you can wait because you, you do have a sleeper there. You do have a surprise. It's like Russell Wilson. Everybody said, well, yeah, we had him ranked. We were going to take him. Well, nobody did until Seattle did. But Puka Nakua, I mean, that's crazy. Crazy. Dak Prescott went late. Well, well, we had a first-round grade on him. But if teams are, like, if the Rams are so good at this, right? 
They're so good at this. I don't know if they're so good. I think Baltimore is so good at this. I think the Rams have done really well for not having high draft picks recently. I think they've done a really good job at that. I could tell by Seaton's face he's not buying. No, I just it. think we're making a little much of like okay. the Puka Nakua pick. It's like they got lucky. It's not like they know. You know what? We know we first of all, we're so good at drafting that we don't even need draft picks. We're just gonna keep everything like from four down, you know, fourth round and later, because we know that where the real value is. It's getting late here. Let's take a break. Play of the day is up next. <laughs> Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, we're Cavino and Rich. Fox Sports Radio every day, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. But here's the thing. We never have enough time to get to everything we want to get to. And that's why we have a brand new podcast called Overpromised. You see, we're having so much fun in our two-hour show, we never get to everything. Honestly, because this guy oh, is overpromising things we never have time for. Yeah, you blubber lips. Blaming me. Well, you know what? It's called overpromise. You should be good at it because you've been overpromising women for years. Well, it's a Cavino and Rich after show, and we want you to be a part of it. We're going to be talking sports, of course, but we're also going to talk life and relationships. And if Rich and I are arguing about something or we didn't have enough time, it will continue on our after show called Overpromised. Well, if you don't get enough Cavino and Rich, make sure you check out Overpromise and also uncensored by the way so maybe we'll go at it even a little harder it's going to be the best after show podcast of all time there you go over promising and remember you could see it on youtube but definitely join us listen to over promised with cavino and rich on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you want consistency, the Atlanta Falcons had consistency. How about this? 2021, 7-10, and 
eighth pick overall. 2022, seven and ten, eighth pick overall. 2023, seven and ten, and they'll have the eighth pick overall. Congratulations, Atlanta. And that's why you're going to get a new head coach. They got to find a quarterback. Got skill position guys, certainly on offense. And you see that. Sometimes you'll just get sort of the embryonic stages of this where you go, golly, they got, they got something there. They just don't have that quarterback. And not having that quarterback is a big reason why uh, Arthur Smith got fired. Ron Rivera got fired as well. Probably a couple more coaches will be fired today or this week. Yes, Paul. This may be irony, but I'm finding a few articles around the 2021 draft. Remember, Matt Ryan was kind of on his way out, and the um, Atlanta Falcons had the fourth pick of the draft. That was the highest in the Matt Ryan era. And a lot of people encouraged them to take a quarterback because they're never in the top four. They could have had Justin Fields or Mac Jones, but let's say Justin Fields, who is there, a lot of people think they're going to trade for. They could have had Justin Fields three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think Justin Fields with that offense would be a whole lot of fun. All right, our good buddy, Tim Hasselbeck, we always love having him on. He makes us smarter. He appears on SportsCenter tonight after the Michigan-Washington game to break down the college football title game. All right, let me start there. Tell me how Washington wins this game. Ooh, uh, I think Washington wins the game if Michael Penix Jr. plays the way he did last week because look, his passing is special. You know, I mean, I think when you look at him, his deep ball accuracy and what that means, if you can, you know, have time to get the ball off, talented receivers, like that to me, Dan, is like the differentiator for them. Look at the two teams. Washington's quarterback in terms of as a passer, accuracy down the field, He's special, and he's different than the other side. Okay. Michigan, uh, is it going – it's pretty obvious how Michigan wins this game? I think it's a bit of bully ball for them, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the physical team. And, you know, saying that, like, it doesn't work the entire game. You know, much like the game last week, there does need to be a a, a few plays. And so whether it's, you know, something creative with a back out of the backfield or hiding somebody to get open or – you know, a really good catch on a on a play that's closely contested. Something like that will need to happen for Michigan, a quarterback run, whatever. Um, but, yeah, that like they are who, you know, we think they are. Well, I was wondering, is it just a coincidence that Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh have similar teams this year? Um, listen, I think probably the household they grew up in, maybe some things were instilled in them in terms of, <laughs> What we truly believe works, uh, yeah. And and really, I think if you were to look at their coaching careers in general, and every team's different, and, you know, uh, Jim had Andrew Luck at one point, and they were pretty good at throwing the football, but they also ran the heck out of the football with Toby Gerhardt too, right? Like, I think that these guys have definitely uh, had a personality to their football teams that's been consistent. Any inkling one way or another, the result, uh, the impact it'll have on Harbaugh's future? Um, you know, I would just totally be speculating, but, um, I do think that a lot of college coaches, when they climb to the mountaintop in college football, start to get curious about, well, could I do this again at the next level? Like I, you and I have talked before about like, I could, I played for Steve Spurrier, like he just had a lot of success. I think there's always going to be curiosity when you get to the top in college football. Yeah, but control. College coaches love control, but they don't have that control anymore. Mm -hmm. 
No, you, yeah, that's 100% true. The environment is different, but um, I, as much as coaches will say, and I think a lot of coaches truly believe this, like, hey, the logo on your polo, like that doesn't say anything about what type of coach you are. But listen, Bill Belichick, if he were to have accomplished what he accomplished with the Patriots in college football, People want to say, like, hey, that's the best coach of all time, right? Like, they would they would say, well, I wonder if he could do that in the NFL. So, I, it doesn't matter to me if it's Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, Chip Kelly, you know, Jim Harbaugh. Like, I think the conversation around it at the highest level that the sport has played, uh, and these guys are competitive. I, I think it, at some point it's somewhere in their brain of – uh, could I have that same success at the top? Okay, but Saban was not successful in the NFL, but he's considered the greatest college coach of all time. Not the greatest coach, but is he in the conversation of greatest coach of all time, in your opinion? Well, um, probably for what I just said, probably not, right? Okay, yeah. Because I think there there's also an element that we would probably say um, – and not every coach took the same path of like, hey, he coached in college and then he coached in the pros. But, you know, some guys have had that crossover. I think many people would say, well, look, Belichick would have had similar success in college. He's just that good, that innovative, that, that good of a game day coach. Um, he would have surrounded himself with good coaches. So, but because he's done it at the, the highest level, we're talking about winning Super Bowls, yeah, I think that – you know, it's a natural thing to say it for him, but not say it for somebody um, that's had similar success, but at the college level. If you had the number one pick in the NFL draft, you would take? Drake May. Drake May. Yeah, I, I, I think I told you guys that probably before the season started. And, you know, his season wasn't probably what I thought that it would be or what he thought that it would be. But um, this next phase of the evaluation process, Dan, is um, everyone's going to love him. Like there's the, his competitiveness, his intelligence, uh, his, his physical ability, the things that you can measure, uh, you know, the care factor for him. I was like, all of it, you're going to look, everyone's going to look at it and say like, in terms of leading your franchise, like there, there, there aren't going to be things that give you pause. They're, they're just, there are, they're not going to pop up. Yeah. But it felt like he was under the radar this year and we didn't expect him to be great we expected Caleb Williams in USC to be great this year and Caleb did it Caleb was great this year when you consider that defense was horrible he kept them in games it felt like with Drake May we're like oh that's right Drake May we didn't hold him to the same standard I think as we did some of these other quarterbacks why do you think that is yeah, probably expectation of the program. You know, obviously a lot surrounding USC, what we thought they would be, what we thought they would be offensively. And then maybe how bad the defense was. That's probably, you know, kind of alarming. And, um, you know, and then just like post-game reaction stuff that generated criticism that, you know, I think was, you know, probably surprising for some. And I would say this for, um, you know, look, Carolina's program was not the same. Like, I just it, – it wasn't. And they had a change in offensive coordinator. So, I think there was a lot to all of that stuff. But, but does but, the Mitch Trubisky career have anything – you know, is there any impact on Drake May? If you're the Bears, would you have pause of drafting another North Carolina quarterback? 
No, because I think the skill set, the experience, um, to like this guy checks every box, so it does not. Whereas, like okay. with Trubisky, you know, there was limited starts. It was, you know, there were other things to say. Like we definitely are projecting, and now look. We're projecting with all of these guys. Like anybody who acts like they're not is lying. Like <laughs> we projected with Justin Fields, we projected with Jared Goff, Matt Stafford. Like projected with Brock Purdy. We're we're projecting, right? Like I think it was Chip Kelly's comment. Like quarterbacks are a little bit like tea bags. Like you can think you're getting green tea, but like until you put it in the hot water, like you're not really <laughs> sure like what it exactly it is. But uh, with Drake May. Like when you go through the process and you see the ability and all of that stuff and the competitive uh, nature, the intelligence, all of that, um, there aren't going to be similarities to Mr. Trubisky. He's Tim Hasselbeck, ESPN, ACC, football analyst, former NFL quarterback. All right, explain this to me. You being a backup quarterback for most of your career, you're in a game, victory formation. Yeah, that was really, really, hey, that was really nice. <laughs> it was all of my career. I know. Yeah. Oh, I was trying hey. I was trying hey, to be respectful. Golly, that you like turned over a new leaf in 2024. Like, very, really soft with Hasselbeck. My here. bad. My and bad. Not only was I a career back, like in my own family, I'm back quarterback. You're not family. even the best quarterback in your own family. Okay. So, that was very kind. Thank you. Okay. Explain to me Jameis Winston goes in, victory formation, run out the clock, you won the game. And he decides he's going to change the play, and they run in for a touchdown. And he stands by that, that it was a team decision, even though Dennis Allen said victory formation. How does that work? Well, I mean, the way it works is they send in, Pete Carmichael Jr. sends in, hey, you know, victory, and that's what you should do. And Jameis being one of one, for sure. <laughs> like, just, just, That's me, very nice on your part there. Yeah, a one of one. You know, New Year's yes, resolution yeah. you're being nice to. One of one, okay. In, in fairness, how Jameis came into the league versus how a backup quarterback <laughs> like myself came into the league, I would have knelt the ball down. And Jameis probably maybe with a little more creativity and – willingness to take a chance saying, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. And truth be told, on the timing of it, um, there's no way that was a team consensus. I, I think – look, I, there's, I actually don't think this is as clear-cut as maybe people would think that I think that it is. Wait, what do you, wait, what do you mean? Down? I, I think they should have knelt the ball down. Yeah. However um, – <laughs> There is an element of like, look, this is pro football and you're paid to stop the other team. And mm. we just had a week where we're talking about incentives and we're talking about rewarding guys that, you know, don't always get the same opportunities. And so could there be an environment where that, that team, that locker room would love to see him score? Yes, absolutely. And would feel, uh, you know, no sympathy to the Atlanta Falcons for trying to do that. Now, now saying all of that, I do think in the culture of your football team, if you're going to do something like that, victory formation comes in, you say, hey, D.A., Dennis Allen, like, we'd love to get him a score, okay? Like, like let's let, can we do this? I think you have time to have that conversation. I think if they didn't line up in the victory formation, I would have been fine. 
Yeah. Because well, I don't think they would have had they addressed it with the coaching staff. Yeah. I felt bad for Dennis Allen going out there to midfield and Arthur Smith wants to give him a piece of, you know, he knows he's going to get fired and he's going to, you know, say, and Dennis Allen's like, hey, I'm sorry about that. You know, not my fault. Blame Jameis there. Well, Jameis's reaction after he kind of caught to the situation. Yeah. Uh, that was probably not ideal. No, either. it wasn't. No, no. If he said, look, I went rogue, it's on me, I take the yeah. blame, but I, I wanted to get my guy a touchdown there. Okay. By the way, who do you have tonight? So, I think Michigan wins the football game okay. tonight. Right. Close? Um, I do think it's close because, I because like the, the, they, to me, don't seem like they're, they're blowing – uh, Washington out with Washington's ability to stay competitive, especially with the passing game. Yeah. God, I hope it's a great title game. You know, sure. th- this last go-round of the Final Four, I-, I just hope we get treated. And the last game for a Pac-12 team. Yeah. Sure. I-, I-, and, I-, I hope. And how great was last weekend? Like, I, you know, Scott, the game got over so late. You know, Scott was looking at me. He's like, man, this is really – this is late. And – uh like, if games are going to be like this, we can do them at 3 in the morning. Like, if they'll, they'll like that. Uh, have fun tonight. Thank you, Tim. Uh, I appreciate it. See you, Dan. That's Tim Hasselbeck, ESPN ACC Network football analyst, former NFL quarterback. He'll be with Scott Van Pelt after the national title game on SportsCenter. Take a break. Our best and worst of the weekend. More of your phone calls right after this. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. 
It's the final hour on this Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Gang's all here, including Fritzy, ready to go. More phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. What you liked, you didn't like. If you're a team that missed the playoffs, you got to rely on that stat that for 34 consecutive years, at least four teams that didn't make the playoffs last year made the playoffs the following year. You had six of those teams this year, and you start to look at some of those teams for next year. Obviously, you'd put in the Bengals, maybe the Minnesota Vikings, but Browns, Lions, Packers, Texans, Rams, Steelers all made the playoffs this year after not making it last year. National title game, the line varies. Uh, What we have with DraftKings, Washington is getting four and a half against Michigan. I'd be curious, the over-under, the number of passes that J.J. McCarthy is going to attempt tonight. Because I get the feeling that Michigan might treat this game the way Michigan treated Penn State, and that is they're just going to run the football, play physical Michigan style from start to finish. And I wonder if I gave you over under 15 passes for J.J. McCarthy, the Michigan quarterback, they would probably love to go less than 15 throws for their quarterback. Feels like Blake Corum is uh, the guy who will be the – Object of desire for the Washington defense. But I just, I want the Pac 12 to go out, go out with their head held high, playing for the national title, and it's a competitive game. That's all I'm asking for. Now, if you said, all right, who am I rooting for? I think as a fan, I'm rooting for Washington because it's going to be exciting. But as a journalist, as somebody looking for content, Michigan winning would certainly be interesting because then I think this speculation would begin that maybe Jim Harbaugh is leaving. Um, maybe not as much as if he loses the game, but Washington going out with the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 was wonderful this year, and uh, hopefully it's poetic that they go out and they play a great game. But as far as rooting, I would say I just give me a great game. Give me a great game, and if Michigan wins, and then we talk about Harbaugh, going to the NFL. Also, I think Carolina is going to go all in on Bill Belichick. Mike Florio had a note in uh, one of his columns on Pro Football Talk, and he said that he didn't think the Patriots were going to trade Bill Belichick. Now, Belichick hasn't been let go, or they haven't mutually parted ways, but Florio uh, was kind of hinting at they're probably not going to ask anything in return for Bill Belichick. And I understand that. You know, out of respect to Belichick, and this is why I think Washington is sneaky, that that maybe a sneaky second candidate here, and and maybe he would view Washington over, you know, Carolina. I don't think he wants to go west. I think he wants to stay on the east coast. So let's factor that in. He grew up around Annapolis. His dad was a coach at Navy, and I wonder, given the proximity with Annapolis, Washington, D.C., Does that matter to Bill Belichick? And I think, you know, all it is is speculation because Bill doesn't reveal anything to anybody. And anybody who says they have information probably didn't get it from Bill Belichick or his camp. But Robert Kraft will sit down with Bill Belichick. I think out of respect, you don't fire him today or let him go today, however you want to phrase this. I think you want to give him the respect of a standalone day So the networks and ESPN, they can all pay tribute to him. Former players can pay tribute to him and give him a standalone day. He's earned that. But remember, 
when they were coming back from Germany after the loss. That was their Super Bowl. And you had respected writers, journalists, saying he could be fired. And I went, there is no way in the world you're going to fire him during the season. Now, maybe you were going to run the risk of they get it right, and then all of a sudden they're a playoff-caliber team, and then you can't fire him. I guess you, you would run the risk that way. But there was no way he was going to be fired. I didn't think there'd be any way he'd be fired on Black Monday. Arthur Smith fired in Atlanta, and Ron Rivera fired with the Washington Commanders. Yes, Paul? There's a number of reports out there about Belichick, mostly about other teams being interested, the Raiders. Diane Rossini has a report from ESPN an hour ago that the Atlanta Falcons would be interested if Belichick were available. Is there any chance Robert Kraft pauses for a second and goes, wow, every NFL team in the, uh, is interested in my coach. Should I take a pause here Mm-mm. and not get rid of him? No. 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 Okay. It, it he, does, hasn't, he hasn't done a good job. Yeah. Look at his draft. If you look at his draft picks, how many draft picks have had a second contract with the Patriots in the last nine years, eight years? I don't know if he's had a player who's had a second contract with the Patriots. He hasn't drafted well. They have a losing record without Brady being there. It just feels like it's stale. And the only reason why players were going there is because of Brady. Brady meant you got a chance to play for a Super Bowl. You were going deep in the playoffs. If you don't have a quarterback, it doesn't matter. I mean, Bill can be the best coach ever. But we saw what the results were. Yeah, they're going to be teams, but those teams have been so bad. They're desperate. Atlanta's desperate. Carolina's desperate. Washington is desperate. That's why they're in- interested in Belichick. Yes, he... It's got to some degree. It's got to be fun, and you feel like Tom Brady is the part that made it fun. You know, Bill Belichick. That I don't know that playing there is fun at all. But at least Tom was just like, yeah. But see, this is fun. Now, if you have some random kid who's just trying to figure it out, that can't be fun at all. But would you want Bill Belichick in Carolina? Is Bill Belichick going to make that much of a difference with a young quarterback? Is he going to make that much of a difference in Washington? Well, I mean, he could if you're talking about trying to set up a certain culture uh, at a place that has been floundering for a long time, and you're like, we need somebody to come in here and be serious and teach people how a winning team operates, then, then yeah, yeah, I think he could. Yeah, I just don't see it. I mean, maybe you get a, a franchise quarterback, that'll help. But I, I just, it's a long process there. And Bill hasn't done well drafting. And why would you want to play there? Why would you want to play for Bill Belichick if you're not winning? I mean, it feels like he's going to coach for two more years, maybe three more years. He's going to surpass Don Shula in the all-time victory list. Uh, you know, probably in two years he'll be able to do that. But I don't want him to be the GM. I just want him to coach. But, you know, Brady covered up an awful lot there for a long time. But I don't know if... Would I go all in if I'm the Commanders or Carolina? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, see. If not him, then who? Well, that that's what I would want to know, what other coaches are out there. But it's just like I bring in Bill, and I that he becomes the team. He becomes... I don't know. 
Can't I? I don't want him to be the GM. He uh, a couple hours ago he met with the media, and uh, here's a portion of his press conference. Wondering if you've given any serious thought to relinquishing the personnel, maybe some of the draft responsibilities, and coaching the team, which you were saying yesterday is something you still really want to do. Yeah, I'm look. I'm for whatever you know. Collectively, we decide as an organization is the best thing to help our football team. You know. I have multiple roles in that, and I rely on a lot of people to help me in those uh, in those responsibilities. If somebody's got to have the final say, uh, I have it. I, I rely on a lot of other people to help, and eh, whatever that process is, you know, I'm, I'm only part of it. Okay, so now he's ready to relinquish that. Now I don't know if he's saying that that to stay in New England. Everything I've read, Jay Glazer had something yesterday saying, "No, no, you know, he's not coming back." Okay. I mean, I don't know what Robert Kraft is, you know, what what his mindset is with the future of this team and who he's going to bring in. Can he bring in Mike Vrabel if Mike Vrabel gets fired by 10? What if Vrabel doesn't get fired? Who is going to replace Bill Belichick in New England? But I, I, I don't know. I have second thoughts on, or I'd have second thoughts on going, you know, Bill, come on in and change our culture here. Like, what's the culture in New England? Is that a good culture? I mean, the Patriot way, the Patriot way worked when you had great players. Yes, Eden. It did for 20-plus years. It did. It was a, before it was seen as a negative, it was called a dynasty. Yes. Which is a, a decent thing to, to come by in your career. But what is it now? Well, okay, yeah. I mean, they all, no dynasties last forever, right? They all eventually fail. Mm-hmm. They all eventually go away. So you would turn the team over to Belichick. Well, would you let him go in New England? If he's that valuable, why are they going to let him go? Yeah, I don't know. I, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's I've been saying for like weeks. Like, are we really saying that this is the end? This is really how it's going to go? You're really letting Bill Belichick leave? Yeah, I know. I'm, You'd keep him? Hell yeah. Okay. Paulie, what would you do? We're too far down the road. I would let him go. Todd. Time for a change. All right. Marvin? Got to go. Okay. Everybody wants him except for the Patriots, reportedly. All right. Question is, okay, you can have Belichick or Harbaugh in Carolina. I'm taking Harbaugh. Anybody with me? Todd, oh, okay. Sorry about that. I know now you want to change your mind, but I'll go Harbaugh too. Yeah, yeah Paulie. That's a toughie, man. Can I, I, I would like to do neither. I would like neither. Oh, you don't. <laughs> yeah. I know it's probably the best answer I've heard so far from yeah. you. Okay. I, I'd take Harbaugh. I'd take Harbaugh. Entertainment value, Harbaugh. I'd take Harbaugh. 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 Yes, Marvin. <laughs> don't you want to start with somebody a little bit younger, try to develop with Bryce Young and the rest of those young players? Well, Harbaugh is younger. But Considerably he, but he, younger. But he acts older. He does. He actually acts older than Belichick. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be older? I Harbaugh mean, I does. We all live to be older. I mean, the old things are always the best, right? Harbaugh I mean, does act older than Pete Carroll does. Like a fine wine, is things just get better as they age. Of course they do. Piece of artwork. Of course they do. Yeah. I mean, chickens. You know, there was a story, and I uh, had an appearance on a Seattle radio station, our affiliate there, and the topic was brought up about Pete Carroll. Is Pete Carroll going to be back in Seattle? And I said, is this a real thing in Seattle? And I was told, yes. And I thought, wow, okay. I just assumed that Pete would be back. 
Would she have been there 14 years? He started there in 2010. He was 59. He's going to be 73 soon. He's been there forever. Yeah, but he doesn't act that way. No. Dang. Yes, Eden. So you would rather have Pete Carroll than Bill Belichick? Taking over a new franchise? Yeah. Yes. Why is that? Uh, One's more likable. The other one's more difficult? No. That would... Doesn't matter to me. I'm not playing for him. I'm just saying if I was going to have somebody come in who it feels like is a little bit more open to things, I would say Pete would be. Player-friendly, Pete would be. Um, is Belichick a better coach? Sure. But, you know, like a bill, if he's difficult with the media, I don't care. I just want to know if you're any good. Uh, Marvin, best and worst of the weekend. Oh, wow. Okay. So, best of the weekend, Chris Jones got a $1.25 million bonus by getting his 10th sack of the season. That could, you know, help with his uh, holding out. And worst of the weekend, the Colts going forward on fourth down and no Jonathan Taylor in the game. Yeah. Super weird. Well, I don't know if, I mean, he had a great game, but I don't, I don't know if he was banged up there. But I, I still, banged up or not, I put you in as a decoy. All right, Paulie, best and worst of the weekend. But do you see in the other game that a guy needed a uh, bonus? I think it was uh, DeAndre Hopkins for the Titans. There was about two minutes left in the game, and they're running out the clock. He needed one catch for four yards to get a million bucks. They did not throw it to him. Yeah. It would have been weird because they're trying to run out the clock. All right, best of the weekend. The San Diego... Well, uh, Jameis Winston was the quarterback, then he would have done that. He would have thrown it to him four times. The, I'm sorry, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, back-to-back uh, FCS titles, 1AA. Uh, they're looking really good. The weirdest, and this really bothered me. Now, the 1AA FCS title game was Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Right against NFL Week 18. Um, I, I don't know the metrics behind it or the programming behind it. It's above my pay grade. That's a game you stick around maybe 2 p.m. It can't be good. It can't be better on Sunday afternoon as opposed to Saturday afternoon. It can't be better for exposure. You put that game 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturday leading up to the later NFL coverage at 4.30, yes. sure. Or Friday night in a standalone at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. A lot more people would have saw Montana versus South Dakota State. Uh, hopefully they fix that next year. Okay. Well, we'll work on that. All right, let me take a break. More best and worst of the weekend. More phone calls coming up. Good morning if you're watching on Peacock. That's our streaming partner. Download the app if you haven't done so. And uh, Operator Tyler standing by to take your calls. By the way, Jerry Jones almost did it. Almost. He almost said the right thing. But then he didn't. I'll have that for you next. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.